Hey everyone, uh, thanks for listening. I am talking with Nico from uh, Kardashev, and I'm really uh, honored to talk with Nico just because um, you know new to I'm new to Kardashev, but I'm just a big fan of like the the music that they're putting out. Um, Nico, would you mind giving yourself an introduction? No, not at all. Thank you so much for having me on this podcast. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it and talking to you before the podcast. I know it's just going to be an easy, fun, and enjoyable conversation. But uh, my name is Nico. I play guitar in the band Kardashev. We're relatively newly signed to Metal Blade Records, and we have a new record coming out through Metal Blade that is called Liminal Right. And I, you know, I looked into the the band name. Um, you know, my name is Kelvin. Um, I was kind of I was glad to see that you you guys named the band after a um, a scientist, uh, Nikolai Kardashev, I believe. Yeah, that's right. Awesome. And um, can you kind of talk about? I know it was kind of based on one of your earlier uh, albums, but can you kind of like kind of talk a little bit more about the name and how you came up with the name? Sure, no problem. Um, so in 2011 or 12, we were trying to figure out what subject matter would lyrically do well to accompany the music we were writing for our demo back then. And uh, our bass player, Chris, at the time, he had mentioned this really interesting sort of sci-fi subject that was known as the Kardashev scale. And upon doing some basic Wikipedia research, we thought that it had the ability to um, foster a really cool sci-fi story and so we decided to write three songs, once uh, each about each level of the Kardashev scale, of which there are three, and that we would tell a story that basically lets this character um, exist throughout all three of those tiers, which, you know, according to the theory, would take thousands and thousands of years, if not millennia. But uh, the idea was that we could write a fun little demo about that. And then once we had written the demo, we had to come up with a name and we really weren't sure. We're like, I don't, we don't know what to call ourselves. We're not good at naming stuff. So our, um, our drummer said, what if we just called ourselves Kardashev? And we all just kind of agreed that that seems like a good place to just leave it. And we've never looked back. So it was pretty straightforward. Um, I wanted to ask you, uh, the name Kelvin, is it, is it like, did it come from like the unit of measurement of temperature, Kelvin? Yeah, that's what I was kind of going with this. Uh, <laughs> I knew it. I um, knew it, dude. <laughs> yeah, no, actually, um, so, you know, I'm from northern Arizona. I grew up around the Navajo Reservation. And in this area, like rodeo and, like, you know, ranchers are uh, pretty prevalent. And so, you know, my dad was a big um, rodeo cowboy, um, you know, when he was younger. And there was this um, uh, cowboy, I believe, uh, I don't remember what time period sometime in the seventies or eighties. I think my dad told me Kelvin Fox, he was a famous like saddle bronc rider. And so I was named after him, but then as I was growing up, um, you know, especially in like my math and science classes, I would always get approached by like my instructors with kind of like a similar question. They would ask me like, you know, are you named after Lord Kelvin, the famous like, you know, engineer physicist. And I'd be like, yeah, yeah. And then <laughs> they, I kind of feel like they would give me like a little extra, like, I don't know, not, not attention, but they would just kind of like, you know, they were cool and that they would, you know, I don't know, maybe I was kind of like messing with them, but I didn't really know at the time, 
but then once I asked my parents, you know, they told me like, oh yeah, it's named after a cowboy. But I think that really stayed with me because, you know, I ended up um, going to like the University of Arizona and doing um, pretty well in a lot of my uh, science classes. And a lot of it was like my instructors really just, you know, being um, curious about my name. So, um, but yeah, that's cool. I mean, you guys got a really cool story behind your name and you kind of kept with it. Are you guys like pretty uh, fascinated by like um, technology and uh, sciences in, in your band? Uh, yeah, you know, when we met, my vocalist Mark and I, we met um, while we were attending Northern Arizona University in Flagstaff because we're also from Arizona and we now live in the Phoenix greater area. But uh, when we were there, kind of talking and hanging out, one of the things that we bonded over before we even started writing music was our appreciation for uh, sci-fi and the technologies that tech, you know, that can accompany it. He's a huge Star Wars or Star Trek nerd. And I tend to kind of just enjoy sci-fi overall, whether it's Star Trek, Star Wars, Babylon 5, even like whatever. Um, so it was easy for us to get along and then find a common subject matter to pursue once we did start creating music and deciding on lyrics and story and stuff like that. Cool. Yeah, actually, I went to high school in Flagstaff. I went to Flagstaff High School, the Eagles, and then I went to Tucson after that. Oh, um, that's awesome, dude. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's uh, I love the name and the story behind the name. And, you know, I went back and listened to that um, demo slash EP progression. And yeah, uh, yeah, it was like it's it really reflects the time period because I feel like in the early 2010s, like a lot of um, bands were coming out that with that style, that like technical, um, like technical metal, progressive, like death metal style. Yeah, um, I completely agree. Yeah. So it's been about 10 years now. Um, uh, yeah, it has. This will be our this will be our 10 year anniversary of writing music together. It's kind of fun. Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, and then just kind of like from there till now with the new album coming out, there's just like, yeah, it's just a really cool progression. Um, <laughs> that's a pun. I see what yeah. you did there. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's cool, you know, and then just, I, you know, listening to the band now, you know, and, you know, reading a lot of like um, press, you know, it's described as like a, a death gaze. Um was that something that you guys came up with or was that something that like the press and journalism came up with? Um, that's a really good question. Death gaze is a sort of uh, thing that I, I made the moniker death gaze, whether or not there are other bands that have a similar sound to us wasn't of my concern at that time. What had happened was when we were releasing our album in 2017 that was called The Almanac, we were putting it on like Reddit and YouTube and, and various forums and discords and stuff trying to get some exposure. And I kind of made what I thought was a calculated mistake, but I realize now that it's kind of just up to the social sphere to determine what genres actually are. But I would post our music on the Deathcore subreddit, on the Technical Death Metal subreddit, even Metalcore, because, I mean, we sing at the end of the day. So I started putting our music on there. And 
Although it wasn't the majority of the users who were saying this, we did get some critical feedback stating that we didn't fit into any of those genres. You know, the technical death metal kids said it's not tech enough. The deathcore kids said that we're singing, so we're not deathcore. The metalcore kids said that we were too atmospheric for metalcore. And like there, there was just always some kind of strong opinion telling us we didn't belong. So what had happened was in order for me to like not piss anybody else off, especially the elitists who we all pander to these days, um, I, I said, you know what, maybe we're something that's in between all of that. And so I did some soul searching and, and I tried to like listen to a, a wide range of genres of music until I found myself thinking that we had the technical elements of death metal in that we have like blast beats, distorted guitars, breakdowns, chugs, but then we also have these atmospheric sort of droning sounds that exist along with it, which made me think like atmospheric death metal was pretty accurate, but with the singing, that doesn't really fit into the death metal category. So I said, it must be something else. And what I wound up with was blending death metal and the sounds of shoegaze. And somehow I just said, death gaze sounds appropriate. And now, you know, recently we've had press saying that we're inventing the genre, but none of us ever think that we invented it. We're just trying to find out where we fit in. Nice. Yeah, I love that. And that's cool that you took a lot of feedback from um, readers of, um, you know, the Reddit, um, uh, subreddit sections. Uh, yeah, you know, when I listen to, especially the Almanac, like that, that just blows me away. It, um, not to compare you to other bands, but kind of really reminds me of um, the Contortionist, like the early um, 2010s, like Contortionist. So, and um, yeah. Alcest, I think that was mentioned as one of the, um, you know, uh, from the press release as um, something that fans would enjoy. Um, if they enjoy Alcest, they would enjoy Kardashev. Yeah, I think you're right. And, you know, to just kind of like compound that, I, I would sort of ask any listener, like if you were to put Alcest and the Contortionist on the same playlist, we would probably fit in there as well. Although we are neither Alcest nor the Contortionist, most people would argue. So that's kind of where we fit in the gray area. And I would love to hear any feedback about the specificity of genrefication because I love these types of discussions. Yeah, I I would probably argue what's more on the death metal um, spectrum, like compared to those bands, you know, just, yeah, like you said, the blast beats and the the guttural vocals, like, I mean, I'm, I'm more of a death metal fan. So yeah, that really, that really, um, that part of the band's uh, influence really like kind of grabs my attention hell yeah dude yeah what no yeah, that's a really good album uh and then or i know you guys have been releasing like short albums or eps and then um the the newest release uh liminal right which will be coming out um next month um you know just um kind of like the i understand the story behind that is um lyrically it's kind of about um a, a person whose kind of memory is slowly fading uh to the point where you know they kind of reach that um point of like uh, dementia um was that your um was that something that you came up with or was that like uh 
as a band or was there um, a certain uh, member that kind of came up with that concept? Uh, so it, the album does um, deal with a character who is suffering from the effects of dementia. And our singer is is really the, the main focus with the lyrics and concepts. We all discuss um, the concepts of our albums and kind of deciding how long they should be, how short, what subject matter we want to talk about. But our singer, Mark, um, he's also our lyricist, and he spends quite a bit of time deciding how the album feels like he doesn't write he really doesn't write any lyrics until the entirety of the album is complete and this is because he likes to objectively sit with the completed album and decide what emotions come to mind what subject matter he uh he can sort of stew in and upon listening to the album with its its you know intensity but also melancholy themes and it's sort of like the wandering melodies. It made him feel as though somebody was in a fond memory, but that the accuracy of that memory maybe wasn't so true. And this is what led him down the path of looking into, you know, the effects of uh, aging, but also long-term memory loss and eventually dementia. And at around this time, when we were writing this record, there was another record that came out that is, whew, man, it is a trip. It's like six and a half hours long. And it's written um, under the under the uh, artist name. Um, I think it's called The Caretaker at the End of Time. And the record is a sonic journey of what a person with dementia experiences if they were to try to recall the same song over and over again, over a long period of time. And it's pretty nuts to like, listen to it. And so we had both sort of experienced that album. And in doing that, it, it really sent home what the effects of dementia might look like or, or sound like rather. And we decided that we also wanted to explore that subject matter because our music too can feel wandering and unsure and so it kind of married well in that way. Wow. Yeah, I got to check that out. You said the caretaker at the end of time? Yeah, um, the caretaker. Let me let me pull it up really quick here. Okay. Uh, sounds intense. Check it out. Yeah, so it the, the artist is the caretaker, and the album is everywhere at the end of time. Oh, okay. And it's kind of a trip, so definitely take your time with it. Yeah, I got a chance to, you know, just check out the album. And yeah, I have to say some of my favorite tracks are uh, Appetitions in Candlelight. Um, yeah, like the the back-to-back compost grave song, Seller of Ghosts. And um, yeah, the last track, like, like, yeah, it just, it's, it's amazing. Like, I normally listen to music when I'm driving. So that's just like perfect driving music. It just makes the, the drive like you know fly by quick but at the same time it's got so much emotion in it and yeah it's 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 uh it's really amazing i'm definitely going to pick up the physical release uh when it comes out thank you for calling out those couple of tracks i'm i'm always elated to hear what people's favorites are because of course when we're writing the music we have our preferences of what we think are going to be enjoyable to other people but to hear it from you like makes me smile and want to go listen to those songs in particular to be like okay these are these are the ones these are the ones kelvin likes right mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you mentioned uh, metal blade um 
how did that come about where you uh where the band got on metal blade records uh yeah this is a this is kind of a surreal story um like we had said earlier you know we've been doing this for 10 years at this point and so there was this really unique opportunity or rather dm i should say i got a dm on twitter from a label and the label said hey uh, we just came across your record, The Bearing of Shadows, and we really enjoy it. And this is us shooting our shot. And I was like, damn, this record label is like so chill that they DM me on Twitter and say shooting our shot. So I'm like, this is sick. So um, I set up a meeting with them and uh, it goes really well. Like the the people are really very nice. They're very uh, considerate and they're, and they're very professional. So um, they said to me at a point in this like, you know, discussion, they said, hey, you know, we'd love to get into contract talks with you guys, but we would highly recommend that you hire a lawyer so that you're, a, you know, that you're aware of everything that we're going to discuss and you don't feel like there's anything here that you don't want to agree to that we're trying to like, you know, put you under the pressure of. And I said, wow, dude, that's like super considerate of you guys. You know, there can be this stigma of record labels that they're just always in it for the money and they're just trying to fuck over artists and all that kind of stuff. So I, I thought it was very considerate of them. So I hired a lawyer and uh, there's this dude in LA and I had no previous relationship with him, but I said, Hey, this record label has this document. They want me to review with a lawyer. Can you help me out? And he's like, yeah, I can help you out. But let me ask you a question. Have any other labels approached you? And I said, like, are you joking? This is like the lottery, dude. There's no freaking way other labels would even know we exist. Right. And he's like, well, let me find out. And I'm like, what? What do you mean find out? You can like email all of them? He's like, yeah, I work with most of the record labels out here. So I'll just see if anybody else is interested. Kelvin, five other labels were like, yo, what's up? We want a phone call. Wow. And I was like, holy shit, dude, this is like a dream come true. This is unreal, right? It was, it's still surreal telling this story. So I meet with a handful of these labels and they basically are all offering very similar things, right? They're saying, hey, you know, we support this. We don't support that. Here's like the way that we handle money. Here's the way we handle tour, et cetera. And they go over the details. So after about a month of going back and forth with these various labels and this lawyer guy, we wound up talking with Metal Blade and determining that they seem to be the ones that were going to fit our business and the way that we want to go about writing music in the near future. And so we signed up with them. There's no hard feelings with any of the other labels. They were just making requests that we couldn't abide by, whether it be touring full time or a certain expectation of music during a certain interval. And, you know, Metal Blade was the most chill. They're like, hey, what do you guys want to do? And so we basically got to write our terms and they said, tight, sign us up. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah, dude, super surreal. I would have never thought it would have been like that, but here we are. Yeah, Metal Blade, they're just such a big label. I mean, they got so many like legendary bands um that that's just cool i mean just knowing that you know band from arizona is like you know part of the metal blade um records roster it's that's that's amazing i completely agree with you as soon as i found out that this was even on the table i went down their roster list and i came across job for a cowboy who's from glendale and i was like oh my god i love job for a cowboy they're on metal blade this is going to be amazing now i don't know those dudes i've never talked to them once but it was still really the same kind of feeling you know it's like oh they're from arizona too we're from arizona we're going to be buddies you know <laughs> i still dream about that maybe one day we'll talk to them i don't know. 
Yeah, no, they're legendary. I mean, I think they're like on hiatus now, but yeah, I mean, they're so influential. Yeah, dude, they're amazing. Yeah. And then like, I get like, I was like, I I was bummed out when I heard about Trevor from the Black Dolly murder passed away recently. That was a big blow to Metal Blade. Oh, yeah, dude, that was a huge blow to, you know, the entire metal community. I'm it's, it's really saddening. And here we are all expected to move on with that piece of our heart missing. So we'll yeah, do what we can. it's terrible. I, I went into a deep dive of just like listening to all his old interviews and yeah, it, it kind of seemed like, yeah, he was like, you know, dealing with some stuff, um, you know, way back then. And you know, it's just unfortunate what happened. So um, I don't know the whole story, but uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's terrible. Yeah. It's, yeah. You know, one thing that I think I would hope that a lot of people take away from what happened with Trevor is that we really need to normalize talking about our mental health and like finding ways to accept other people when they're trying to talk about their own mental health, because it can be very easy to not want to hear other people's struggles and problems. And, and I'm not sure Trevor's situation. I, I don't know him that well. Like I said, you know, I've never, I've never personally like had a relationship with him or anybody else really on metal blades. So it, it felt very impactful to me in a sort of parasocial relationship sense. Like, you know, I've been to so many of their shows and I've seen their music videos and I have listened to all their records and, you know, you sort of start to feel like, you know, somebody, and then to hear something like this, it, it really makes you recognize that not only did I not know them, but they were making a bigger impact on me than I had expected. So we'll all, uh, we'll all try to live on remembering him and, hopefully we can be better to the people around us so that they don't wind up in a similar situation. Yeah, no, that's amazing. Thanks for like taking the time to say that. It's, um, yeah, especially, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I get, I have a lot of listeners in this area in Northern Arizona. It's kind of a rural area and yeah. Access to like, you know, like mental health and therapy is just, it's very, um, I don't know. It's just very, few and far in between. So yeah, thanks for you know taking the time to mention that. Um, Absolutely. But um, yeah, you know, I'm kind of, I, I mainly kind of touched on the, you know, questions um, for the interview. Um, but yeah, I, I really, again, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me. And, um, and, you know, I know the album's coming out. Um, uh, are there any plans to do any like um, live appearances uh, for this album? Uh, plans? No, there are no plans at this time. But uh, one thing that we do is, in all the years that we've been doing this, although we've only toured once and played one festival overseas, we don't really make it our business to go on tour and play live, simply because it's not as feasible as it might have been in the past, especially with like the pandemic and stuff like that. But um it's also not really part of our individual lives. You know, um, I have a, a parent that I take care of. Mark has a wife and a baby on the way. Sean runs a business and has a wife and two kids. Alex is in another band called Holy Fawn who are perpetually on tour. So the member composition that we have right now doesn't really facilitate touring, but that doesn't mean we couldn't find stand-ins or find another way to get out in front of people. What we do instead though, is we try to perform live on YouTube or Twitch or Facebook or Instagram or something. We try to like get our faces in there 
and make an appearance. And I know it's much different than the live circuit. It's what we can do with the resources and time that we have. Um, so that's that's kind of the only plan that we have. And, and Kelvin, I want to thank you for, again, having me on here. Um, I, I really look forward to going back in your archive and checking out some of those other bands you've interviewed and maybe even eventually continuing a conversation with you down the line. Yeah, that'd be great. I mean, I, I, I don't really go to the Phoenix area that much, but yeah, I mean, I'm always uh, there to check out a live show or, you know, something going on, but yeah, if you ever uh, have to be somewhere, yeah, I definitely want to, yeah, just kind of pick up on our conversation. But um, absolutely, yeah. The so the album is Liminal, right? The band Kardashev, and I believe it is going to be released on June 10th on Metal Blade Records. So, yeah, everyone should uh, check out Kardashev. Um, you know, listen to the songs that are out um, streaming on the digital platforms. Um, but yeah, thanks again, Nico. Hey, no problem, Kelvin. You take care. Thanks. All right.